The Terrifying Lies Podcast, with music and stories by Craig Nibo. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Terrifying Lies Podcast, where reality and the paranormal shake hands. I am Craig Nibo, your host. Welcome to this interseason edition of the Terrifying Lies Podcast. I am currently in production on a new batch of stories for season three. Look for the season premiere on September 1st. Not to leave you empty-handed, I offer another dose of the enigma known as the Freestyle Gargoyles. If you haven't heard of these experiments, here's how it works. Some of my best friends and most accomplished musicians assemble in a haunted building. We invite several authors into the jam. Each author comes with a short story to perform live in front of a small studio audience. As the authors perform... The band plays a completely improvised soundtrack behind the stories. The results? Sometimes nothing more than chaos and noise. Sometimes something brilliant. For today's episode, I offer two authors. Eric Winsonson, the first gargoyle to fly in specifically for this event. Eric hails from Tempe, Arizona. He became so enraptured with the experiment that he reached out to reserve a spot on the next Gargoyle performance here in Kaysville, Utah. Second, I give you veteran Gargoyle, brilliant author, and good friend David West, who also writes under the pen name James Alderdice. Check out his novels. With no more delay, let's jump into it. I give you Eric Winsonson and the Freestyle Gargoyles. blood on the knife was still warm as Jimmy took a few breaths to calm down. The old lady lay on the chair, silent, eyes blank. Jimmy had never gone this far before, and his mind raced as he contemplated his next move. The house did not have alarms. It was isolated, an overgrown garden leading to the driveway in the front, and acres of old growth toward the back. The lady of the house had made no sound, and there was no one to hear who she had. He had come here after doing quite a bit of research. Many of his friends were now doing time. Smash, grab, run, and they never ran fast enough. They had always been caught. Not Jimmy. He knew he was no genius, but he was careful. Patience always paid off. The old lady was supposed to be asleep. She was not supposed to hear him as he entered and searched the house. He didn't even intend to take everything he found. He knew if the rumors were right, that would be downright impossible. He was just going to take enough so that he could live comfortably. 
Maybe come back someday if he needed some more. Instead, she was waiting for him in the sitting room. She had not said a word, merely grabbed his arm, holding him quite firmly and, looking him straight in the eyes, shook her head twice. She let go of him and sat in an old overstuffed armchair next to a converted gas lamp that sat on an old end table. She ignored him from that moment on, apparently assuming that he would leave on his own. Instead of being patient and smart, he let his anger and what he considered her arrogance get to him. He grabbed a knife from the kitchen, returned and repeatedly plunged it into her as she sat in the chair, still silent. For as much as she responded to the attack, she may have been a life-size straw doll. Except straw dolls didn't bleed. Jimmy took a brief note that he would need to change his clothes as soon as possible. Jimmy didn't trust rumors. He also knew better than to ask around. He did know the woman was from a very old family, and that family was extremely rich. They had stayed so for so many years because of a wild mistrust of banks and a long streak of luck of not being robbed. She, there was supposedly money stashed throughout the house. It was to be believed the very walls were reinforced with gold bricks and the floorboards would be practically bursting trying to conceal the bundles of cash. So far, that had not been the case. Jimmy laid the knife down on the table and started upstairs. The old cliche of money in the mattresses may be just that, but there is a reason for cliches. The light at the top of the stairs briefly dimmed as if someone had passed before it. The house is old, Jimmy thought. Old, and the wires will be bad. That is all. At the top of the stairs, he found a hallway with alternating doors on each side. The one on the left turned out to be a bathroom, which after brief search revealed nothing. The next one was a bedroom that appeared disused for decades. The sheets were neatly tucked, everything in order, but a layer of dust, layer of dust lay on everything. He tore off the sheets, moved the mattresses, and to his surprise, he found it resting on bags of cash, like you would see in an old-time movie or cartoon. He opened one of the bags, and the money inside definitely came from a bygone era, but it was there. Hundreds, fifties, mainly silver and gold certificates, fresh and wrapped. He knew some he could spend, but also much of it was worth more than the face value. Jimmy closed the bag and stood up. He briefly considered taking another, but reminded himself where overreaching had got most of his friends. Jimmy had no intention of spending the next few years in prison, especially since at this point he knew that there was a good chance he would never come out again. As he started back toward the stairs, a face flew out of the darkness of the hall barely missed the left side of his head and shattered against the wall. Jimmy, thinking he was alone in the house, had not even considered searching the other rooms to make sure. Look, I'm leaving. I'm taking this bag. I left plenty for you. If you come after me, I'll have to kill you as well. It's best that you just let, let me leave. Another vase flew out of the darkness, this time to his right, again crashing against the wall. No mood to stand there and talk, he made a familiar gesture to whatever lurked at the end of the hall and began to descend. Halfway down, a copper teapot caught him on the back of the neck, knocking him off balance and sending him stumbling down the rest of the way. He landed hard on his knees, 
bag, the bag of old notes went flying, hitting the floor and scattering bundles of cash before the feet of what had been the owner of the house. Jimmy groaned, examined himself, and determined he could stand. No further items came down the stairs, but he limped over to grab the knife from the end table anyway. I'm armed, he said to whatever appeared to be growing in the shadows at the top. It was as if all the lights were dimming. He held the knife in one hand, picked up the bag, and began stuffing the bundles back in it. I am leaving, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. Red and blue lights flashed through the large sitting room window. So you called the police. I'm still leaving. I'm still taking this cash. Tell the cops good luck in trying to find me. Woods out back may have been thick, but he knew where they ended. It was the parking lot of a large outdoor mall with several stores where his vehicle waited. He had a compass and a plan for a straight, straight southwesterly march from the house to the parking lot. He went out into a screened-in porch and left quietly through the screen door. There was no clearing behind the house, between the house and the woods, just a thin strip of glass. The moon was almost full, but that did not make any difference. The light seemed to vanish as soon as he entered, except for a few streamers that managed to work their way through the foliage. He had brought a flashlight, but this close to the house, he thought it might bring too much attention. Jimmy also suddenly realized that he still had the knife, slipped in the space between his belt and his jeans. It might come in handy. The woods were engulfed in an utter silence, and the very air around him pressed inward as if it were the fingers of a soft, giant hand. Even his footfalls seemed to be absorbed, swallowed hungrily by the forest. Above the silence, he began to hear wings. Not the wings of birds or bats, huge wings. The flaps sounding like wind in the sails of a large boat. The woods, already barely penetrated by faint rays of moonlight, became darker as the sound of the giant wings passed over him. As close as they came, he, should, he knew he should feel some movement in the air, but its firm, steady grip remained upon him. A wet, slithering thud came from his left. The sound of a large, wet hand smarking, smack, smacking the bark of a tree, followed by claws digging through the wood. Snorts, snuffles, the sound of heavy steps and the occasional guttural moan erupted from throats that were neither human nor animal. He thought occasionally he could glimpse eyes, scales, things skittering away, but not far enough away, just far enough to watch him without being seen. Jimmy continued on, breathing harder, but refusing to run. He felt like he had been walking longer than a half an hour. He was still reluctant to use his flashlight. The darkness began to dissipate, and the gibbous moon shone through with an almost blinding force. He thought at first he had reached the lot. The light being so bright, but as his eyes adjusted, he saw yet another field of trees. Not thick and tangled like the rest of the woods, but scattered. Jerry remained still, but the trees themselves began to move. Faces, arms, legs made themselves manifest, all ending in roots that held them in place. Faces stared at Jimmy as he entered the clearing, fixing him in a mixture of hope, fear, anger, and hatred. He knew now that it was truly time to run. The details became even clearer as he ran by. Soldiers in blue uniforms, gray uniforms, olive green, people wearing fashions decades removed. 
while others seem more modern. Their hands reached out, imploring, begging, snatching at him. The entire clearing was filled with whispers. Not like the wind through the leaves in summer, but crackling, like walking on the dead leaves of autumn. He caught snatches of words, some desperate, some fouls, many crying for forgiveness and release. Jimmy suddenly felt himself grabbed around the ankle by an invisible hand. The jolt almost sinking and sending him sprawling, except that the other leg was grabbed in a similar manner. The bag of cash that he held fell, once again scattering its contents. The knife fell out of his belt, flying forward and embedding itself in his foot. His hollow pain was briefly brought, briefly brought silence to the clearing, but the whispers started up once again, many of them sounding like laughter. Jimmy attempted to retrieve the knife and cut himself loose from whatever had entangled his legs but his arm froze in place, leaving him half-stooped with his other arm up in an attempt to balance himself. That arm also froze. He looked around. Two lovers lay entwined a few feet away, staring into each other's eyes and speaking to each other in dry, croaking voices. Where the body should have been was misshapen stump. He turned his head away, staring into the face of an old man whose eyes burned with malevolence and hatred. He could see a faded, stained shirt but below was bark, and below that, roots. The man did not struggle, did not speak, only stared into his eyes with malevolent glee. Jimmy tried to turn away, but found his neck frozen like the rest of his body. His skin turned gray, his arms became branches, his fingers became gnarled twigs that seemed to reach futilely towards the sky. The moon had long disappeared, and the first rays of dawn broke through. Jimmy, his head frozen in place, saw the old man smile and wink before the face disappeared. Ultimately, all sight drained from him and the world, despite the coming day, became darkness. The old woman had always liked her afternoon walks. The, wood out back, the woods out back had always been peaceful. Today a September breeze, still heady with summer, but carrying the kiss of fall, sighed among the trees in the clearing. She could hear the cars in the small in the mall nearby and wondered at how much had changed since she was a little girl. At the foot of a tree, she found an old bank bag with some of the cash scattered around. The tree had a rusty knife stuck in one root. I wonder where that had got to, she said, as she gathered up the cash and put it in the bag. I have no idea how you got out here. I'm sure I'd lose my head if it wasn't attached. She looked down. The knife, after a couple of tugs, came free from the root. There you go, she said. All better now. This has been Eric Winsonson and the Freestyle Gargoyles. The Terrifying Lies podcast will return after this short commercial break. Welcome back to the Terrifying Lies podcast. I now give you David West and the Freestyle Gargoyles. Thank you. 
This is Stranger Come Knocking. It was the coldest of remembered evenings, and we were gathered about the fire, singing carols of pleasantries, Christmas and such, when a stranger come knocking on our door, but said he nothing more. I went and answered, saying, I trust you have need of something, friend. Enter, eat, drink, and be of good cheer. But of a man or woman or child, there was none near. Shutting the door, I was given pause and more on who could have been knocking there at our door. The children were hushed and all drew near as yet another knock came, and this time from the rear. Thinking they had passed by too quickly from the front to the back, I called out, you're welcome, Jack. Come and join us and celebrate the new year and Christmas time snack. But when I rose to the door, there again was no one more. Alone was the threshold and cold still moon, waiting for someone to show their face soon. Back to our song and verse and feast, when all of a sudden the knocking increased. The call at first to join was unheeded, but the curiosity was yet unneeded. For we felt a chill and crawling as the boot steps walked across the floor, though no one was seen entering our door. The tramp was weighty and the presence felt by all in the home who therein truly dwelt. Twas asked, who goes there here in my house? Your steps do frighten my children and spouse. Silence met us, for none answered my speech. And then we smelt his brimstone odor. And then we did screech as it spoke meeting our ear and saying, I quote, I am here. <laughs> Under the tree and through the cupboards did the children run and hide. With this now unwelcome guest, I did in vain attempt to collide. But of his material, there was none. I crashed through him and twas no fun to be cast off like a shoe and have a dinner table given me stars for a view. <laughs> the plates were smashed and the Christmas hopes dashed as the dogs did bark and the flames went out all to the last spark. We were trapped in the gloom and crushing dark while he laughed at us as if on a lark. The lights of Christmas were dimmed and gone as our hopes too were smashed and suddenly withdrawn. And I never thought that I was a coward until that hour when I was trapped there in the devil's power. And then as all faith was lost and to the point of exhaust, did my little baby girl open her mouth and let loose all we had taught her in a world. She said her prayer loud and true that we might come safely through. And to the devil she said to leave and go that we might never have to know him again as above and so below. The devil did heed the spawn of my seed as she called on the angels of heaven and Jesus to save us from he who had so cruelly seized us. Like a hurricane he did depart and never did it swell so strong in my heart for that brave little girl with her gospel art. She showed us the way brave and true to utterly convey just what to do. 
So if a stranger come knocking, and he will, careful who you invite without first talking. Know their light, or you could be in for quite a terrible late Christmas fright. This has been David West and the Freestyle Gargoyles. The Freestyle Gargoyles is a growing community. We consider any author or musician who has ever participated to be a gargoyle for life. We have not done a session for a few years, but I have to say I just notice that Friday the 13th falls in October this year. I'm going to try to put something together for that fateful night. That means I will be looking for authors who want to join the Gargoyles. If you have any interest, let me know by sending a sample of your work, not the work you will perform on the live cast, and I will put it before the group. You can contact me at craiglnibo at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And hang in there because Season 3 is rapidly approaching. Look for the season premiere to drop on September 1st. Until next time, sweet dreams. Or should I say, sweet nightmares. This has been the Terrifying Lies Podcast. Please, come again. You're welcome here. (laughs) 